0: Well, hey everyone, this is Eric Nordoff, and you're listening to another episode of Courage Cast. Today we have a guest in the house. Every once in a while, I like to bring somebody on that is incredibly interesting and has uh, a neat story and is doing some really exciting things. So uh, he may not think so; he seems like a pretty humble guy, but I think he's pretty amazing. And and uh, so we have Kyle Sailors in the house. Kyle, welcome to the Courage Cast. Hey, thanks for having me, Eric. Yeah, man. Um, I first heard about you, uh, from somebody recommended, and this is probably, you hear the story all the time, but someone recommended to me that I need to meet you and I need to come to one of your dinners. And I thought this dinner thing was really, really intriguing. And I, um, so I went and it was, it did not disappoint me. As a matter of fact, it opened up my eyes to, Something that I hadn't really considered before. And I think it was right before I started the Courage Cast that I went. And you might have been, this might have planted some seeds in me to do this Courage Cast because it's this idea of creating a community and connecting people that you do so well. So I want to give you kudos for that. Um, and I want to talk about it in detail. So tell us real quickly, first of all, just what is Dinner with Dreamers? And um, how did it come about? Well,
1: so uh, Dinner with Dreamers is basically a, I, don't, I guess you, for lack of a better word, a, a massive friendship circle. But like uh, it started as, I mean, we call it a, uh, the di- private dining club for creatives and cultural influencers. And so it's a place where people can come and just be real. It's not really pitching. It's not like I hate, honestly, and this is what always kind of funny people out as I hate like these networking groups. I, don't, I hate parties. And somehow I throw all these parties and, and <laughs> dinners and networking stuff. But it was completely out of just accident. And so uh, I don't know how much of the story because it could go but uh, No, I basically- want to hear
0: from the beginning. Just tell us, you know, tell me a little bit about your background. First, oh. and, and start all the way back there. And, and kind of what, you know, what you do on on a regular yeah. basis.
1: Okay, so uh, I, I grew up in Texas, and uh, my dad was a cop, pastor, and a truck driver. So I couldn't do any anything wrong, and uh, and I I just wanted to like me and my brother just watched these you know movies Steven Spielberg and and uh, or Rambo and uh, <laughs> Rocky whatever these movies were just like they inspired us and they were like man you know we lived in this dusty little West Texas town and and uh, we just you know, wanted to do something else with our life, and that was a that was a long, long process to figure out that and how to do it because we had no connections. We had no. This was like some other world, and so, mm-hmm. you know, when we got out of college, we st- I I went off and did some. We we started like a band, I guess you'd say, and we started these things. We did youth conferences. We did we did these drama things with these troops, and we did. I mean, we did all kind of random stuff I, and we did put together youth conventions. And then we, and then we started a restaurant, which was a horrible idea. And then we went into, uh, uh, we ended up in, uh, I did concert promotions, ended up doing the Galveston Island spring break concert series. So it was all these random. And, uh, so it was just this random mix, but it it was like everything we did, we still were thinking like, man, I'd love to do, you know, television and film and stuff. That's like, yeah you know, our dream
0: and and feel free to throw anything in there or ask me a question along the way. I'm just kind of <laughs> randomizing no no okay, so yeah, so that's a good time to just kind of so you spent you and your brother when you say we, you and your brother, and uh, your brother's yeah. name is kenny. kenny Kenny, so Kenny and Kyle sailors finish you know you grow up um in this environment, a pastor a uh, truck driver, and a cop in where in like Houston. Uh,
1: in well, uh, little
0: first little tiny towns, Nocona, Chico,
1: Eastland. You know, Chico had eight hundred people. You know, the the thriving metropolis it was. And then we ended up a little bit later. I went my senior year. I ended up back where I was born, which was Greenville, which was seemed huge at the time. It was thirty thousand. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up in Dallas, and then Houston, and then LA. Now I'm going
0: backwards. Now I'm in Nashville. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. You're going back in time here. Um, But no, seriously, I think you – so you grew up in Texas. You're Texas boys. You're dreamers. You were dreamers back then, right? Yes. And uh, you dreamt about making movies. Yes. So how old were you guys when you finally – after trying all these things together and I guess failing?
1: Uh, Well, we just – we didn't – yeah, it was like – I mean, we would have some success here and there, but it wasn't like, you know, like concert promotion. It was just like, I don't know, that seems like a lot of effort for something that's over in a night, you know, (laughs) like, you Uh know, and uh, we we just and it wasn't telling a story. It was just somebody else performing or whatever. And so or, or even us. It was just – it was always like – I don't know. It was just
0: always like in the back of our our brain, you know. We Mm -hmm. just didn't know how, you know. Yeah. So you did – you tried all these things. Um, What was the restaurant? What kind of food was it?
1: Well, we tried – and this is kind of hilarious. I don't ever even bring that up. So my cousin had this restaurant. It was like a high-end somewhere down in Houston. So when we got back to Dallas, we thought we would try – we helped them run it. This kind of like the Hard Rock Cafe of Christian-themed restaurants, and we got the – we got the restaurant right across the street from Six Flags and but our partner was horrible <laughs> and he didn't know how to run a restaurant. We were kids. We didn't know how to run a restaurant literally and uh and so it ended up being a it's a much bigger story than that but like uh for for better sakes it was a pain and it was a failure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it sounds it sounds painful. A Christian yeah. Hard Rock Cafe um yeah. It, you know, it's it, even though it's Dallas, which is the, you know, pretty the, oh, yeah. good Bible Belt place to do this kind of thing. Um, so this was like, what, in the 80s, 90s when you tried those yeah, things? 90s. somewhere. Okay. All right. And, and then then. So how old were you guys when you finally said we're going to give this movie thing a go?
1: So how it kind of happened is we were still in in my brother, I'm three years older than my brother. So I was out of college off doing a bunch of random stuff. And then he, during, uh, it was was during college break or something, somebody from, we went to Calvary temple in Irving and they were like the next door was the TBN, the big international production center. And so, uh, we were like, my brother, somebody said, Hey, if you want to go over there, he just needed some money. So they're like, you can dig ditches over there for a couple of weeks. They're putting in this new thing. And, and, uh, you know, so he just went over there really just for that. They ended up liking him. They're like, hey, would you like to work here? And he's like, yeah, sure. Within a few months or six months, he was Paul Crouch's, the founder's assistant and camera guy. And uh, and then I got on there doing grip for the local stuff and then camera and then grip for the national and camera. Then we did some things like floor direct. So it was kind of like an introduction to television and being live TV. It was kind of an interesting way to like you realize you don't make mistakes. Like, it's not like, Oh, what if I make a mistake? Oh no, you do not make a mistake. That's not an option. So versus film school, which is well, you know, take number 29, you know, Mm -hmm. learning in live TV. So we were there for quite a while and they were very flexible. So we still did our band stuff and our this and convention stuff. And, and then one day two of our friends there, and it was interesting because we met all the big wigs of, you know, the pastors and the preachers and the everybody from T D Jakes to you know, all these and the famous athletes and stuff. So it's kind of an induction into the television world. But so one day two of the friends there that we made, they called, they're like, Hey, Colin Kenny, man, if you guys can get over here in ten minutes, they'll hire you at the NBC sports. Two people didn't show up. They just need somebody. Huh. So we man, we hopped in our car, just like jetted over there and then boom, we're working on the Dallas Cowboys game. Huh. And uh, so that that was an induction into – but what we realized is like, whoa, this is – you know, we're from Texas. We grew up watching the Cowboys, and they were still good at that point. And so uh, this was like – but what we realized is all the people making this, they were no – there weren't some special breed of human and from some faraway planet. They were mostly just average Joes and knuckleheads, you know, and so <laughs> we fit right in. Yeah. So, <laughs>
0: It, it it was a low uh, entry point and you guys felt like you, you, you could, you could, you could do it and add something to this. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So, okay. So you, you got it, you got this, you just kind of threw yourself in and then, and then where did that take you so in your our career?
1: Next, our next step was we always had it in our heart. We wanted to make something like, you know, as a producer or a director. So, this is probably one of the craziest stories, but it 's kind of a catalyst and I say this sometimes we we were putting together this little independent film and uh just trying to scrape it together and we're still you know we're at least making some money and, and we're learning about production and quality and stuff like that but so but we wanted to be producers, so we didn't know yet. We had no credibility as a director, so he said, maybe we can produce first because really you're just putting together a deal. Mm-hmm. So we met this guy with a super cool studio in Dallas, and they, they did some network stuff. And so we said, hey, man, you know he, we at least had some credibility because now we're working with NBC Sports and stuff. And so he, we said, hey, if we bring you a project, can we be producers? And he was like, man, if, he, if you got money, I don't – care what it is you can call yourself whatever you want (laughs) so we were like cool so we were like he had a cool reel and all this facility so that was kind of in the back of our head like okay let's look for a project we could bring there so one night uh, we're riding around and this is sometime later we worked on some stuff with them but like uh, we're riding around and we go to Denny's and my friend he's like hey Let's go eat at Denny's. So we go to Denny's and and they're closed. And we're like, that's really weird, man. I've never seen a Denny's that's closed. And so then we go on and we're going uh, down the road and there's another one that's jam packed with people and like people pouring out the door. And we're like, man, we will never get in there. So we go. So he's like, we're like, let's just go to Jack in the Box or something. Go back to the office thing. And he goes, no, no, no. Let's we got to find a Denny's. So. We end up another down another Denny's, and uh, we were walking up. And as we get to the door, this lady she comes up and she stops. us. As we're opening the door, she's like, "We just had this huge spill, and we we're gonna have to shut down the restaurant." We're like, "What? <laughs> this is impossible." <laughs> and, uh, we're like, "This is the craziest thing." We're like, "We are not supposed to go to this is an omen." Like, we are not supposed to go to Denny's. He's like, "No, man." So anyway, we end up on the other side of the Metroplex there's another Denny's we finally get there it's an hour later and uh so we go in there and this guy walks in and he has this big platinum chain with diamonds all over it and uh I was like hey man I think that's No Limit Records and at the time if you didn't know who No Limit that was I'd read about this guy named Master P who was the richest uh black man in America at the time he he was worth 700 million and he uh he ran the most the most profitable record label in America. And it was an independent. It was just an independent label, as far as his money. He was right. Personal income. He was right on the list of most rich entertainers, right behind Garth Brooks. Even though very few knew who he was comparatively. And so anyway, I said, "Hey man, I think that looks like the the chain of of uh, Master P's record label." So I was. So he was sitting right next to us, and. Uh, and so I, I could tell he was listening to our conversation because we're talking about making this movie. You know, he doesn't know that it's a no-budget movie. But <laughs> but uh, so uh, anyway, I was like, you know, I'm going to go talk to this guy. And so he was sitting there with his girlfriend. And so I just walked over and I said, hey, are you with No Limit? And he's like, yeah. I was like, we do music videos. Now, we had done one $600 music video, but uh, <laughs> we didn't tell him that. And so he didn't ask like what you know what artists have you worked with or anything he asked one question he said what budgets do you work with and then i don't know why i said this but i said oh man you can't afford us ah. and he goes he goes oh yeah we can afford anything we want and uh so he threw his card down and that was literally the end of the conversation and uh i picked it up that turned into what was that year one of MTV's most expensive videos of the year and it was the first ever animated rap music video. And Which so one? It, Who? It was Soldiers. Now it looks like uh, something a little college kid could make. But uh, it was Soldiers, and I had Snoop Dogg, Master P, Silk the Shocker, C-Murder, who's now in prison for
0: murder. And uh, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Talk about <laughs> prophetic words.
1: Yeah. So we literally was like, of course, all of our friends from, you know, the uh, Bible School and, and TBN thought, oh, Colin Kenny's already backslid into the, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> but uh, anyway, working with gangster rappers now. But uh, anyway, that was our induction into producing, the you know, the other
0: side of the, the fence where we're creating, you know, at, the, at that side of Can it. Can you find this video on YouTube somewhere?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's, it's on there. You know, it, it looks quite probably amateurs now but at the time it made uh black history <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> yeah what year was
1: this uh that was late 90s i guess you know okay. there.
0: Right. yeah well you'll have to send me and, a link to it later i'll, I'll yeah. post yeah. it in our show notes just for the heck of it <laughs> yeah okay all right so you guys produced that together yeah. in partnership with master p and his record label no limit yeah. okay so we
1: ended up doing a lot of stuff with them and then uh so after that, we're like, man, you know, we're going to go, we're going to conquer Hollywood and, uh, and Hollywood conquered us. And so <laughs> basically like mm-hmm. we went out there from the, from growing up in Texas, you kind of like, you know, when people say they're going to do something, they do it. Or when they're your friend, they're your friend. But we realized after many, many hard lessons that, you know, they don't stab you in the back. They stab you in the chest say, Hey, I'll come back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, Do it again, and so we lost a lot. We lost literally everything at one point or another, and we had multiple deals. And when we had this, I mean, here okay, here's an, an example. So through this, when we're working with this studio over here in Dallas, we meet this guy. He's got a private jet, an office on Wilshire Boulevard, right next to the big agency. He's got, uh, he lives in a castle up in the hills and, in Brentwood. And, and so we go out and he's like, Hey man, I want to fund your movie. You know, we're putting together this slate, you know, we'll put 20 million. We've made this little bitty movie. He's like, I want to, man, I know Matt Damon and blah, blah, blah. And then he did. I mean, he had all the, all the proof, you know, he flies a private jet and this and that he's got money galore. So anyway, uh, we go up there, we moved to, to LA and, uh, and we start doing this deal, and then all of a sudden, one of his partners goes missing, and uh, they, they kind of just, you know, don't really say anything about it. But they we're like, huh, what happened to so and so? Ah, you know. know. And then, huh. <laughs> and then one day we go up there, and then he's missing, and then and we never saw him again. And they shut the doors, and no one knew. So like a year, fast forward a year, now we're living in L.A. We run into his wife. We see her at the grocery store. We're like, "Whoa, what happened to Phil?" <laughs> and uh, she's like, "Oh, you didn't know." And I was like, "No, what happened?" She's like, "Well, you know," she goes, uh, "She goes, he's my ex now, but uh, he, you know, all that money he was going to fund all these movies, he was getting it from Hamas, uh, the terrorist organization." <laughs> no way. Yeah, so they were wanting to get in the movie business, and we almost did uh, the the first Hamas uh, movie. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like wow. our in- that was our introduction to L.A. And so um,
0: it was, uh, yeah, we had lots of stories that
1: <laughs> too many to be like, you got to be kidding
0: me. <laughs> but, Jeez, so did you ever find your rhythm
1: in L.A.? Uh, Yes, yeah, it it took a while, and I think it was our, we were always visionary, so we were always like, you know, we were like, we want to do these $100 million movies, and I think our process was because in other arenas, you know, whether it started there the television station or the studio or in music videos or whatever, we were able to quickly go to the top of that game. So we kind of like, you know, in some ways I guess it makes you, think you can do that anywhere and and so we 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 didn't really have any precept of what people said was possible or not we just went and did it and so we were always putting together these big big deals because that was our goal and uh what happened is we just kept they kept falling through and but we would make friends through every time and so some of our best friends came out of bad pitches that they didn't like our idea but we just said so you know how'd you make it into la or how'd you get to dreamworks or how'd you get to the mm-hmm. Simpsons and that's where a lot of our friends came from. So one time we we started making these movies, they were independent, but they were distributed, and uh we were just producing and and the director just let the actors do whatever they wanted, and it just turned into like this it was actually a good script, and he just destroyed it and, and just like they started just cursing nonstop and this and that, and just like because if you let LA actors say, Oh yeah, just ad lib Man, the script, the story, everything went out the window. And then to find out this guy was skimming money off the top because he was the executive producer and the director, which means he could access the money and then we're responsible for it. So he could—he shows up in a Porsche and uh, and he took it out of the budget of the movie and then he's like, well, y'all just figure it out, you know, how to cover it. Let's just cut some corners. And so <laughs> it was a total con. <laughs> and so like we were like, seriously, is there anybody like – and so at the end, we're at the end of a, we did two actually with the, and at the end of it, we were just like, man, we're down to the last day. We're like, dude, we got a problem. And he goes, you, and he's about, you know, maybe five foot. Oh, I don't know. I'm six foot two, but, uh, he's like, you, you don't tell me what to do on this movie. I am God. And he raises his hands and he looks at the sky and just stands in silence. And then here, this is in front of the whole cast and crew and everybody. And everybody's just standing there like, this is not, you know, the Titanic and he's not James Cameron. Right. And uh, we're literally just like, and, and at that moment, I was inside, I was just like, you know, I'm done. I, I'm done dealing with knuckleheads and idiots and con artists. I'm going to work with people that I want to work with and do things I want to do. And if it doesn't, I'll go find something else to do. I'm not wasting more of my life with idiots and Mm -hmm. so that was a big you know changing point in our life i guess
0: yeah and so you started to uh find your rhythm after that yes and started working what i love about your story so far is you were always very relationship based in the way you did things but now you you were smarter with the relationships that you were choosing to spend time with
1: yes yeah because that's it like you know you're you're stuck especially if you're on a a film or a project you you might be living with these people for weeks day and night and so if there's even one bat we are very particular when it comes to crew like we'll usually go shoot a music video or something with somebody first just to see because even in one day you can see their temperament you can see how they work under stress and under pressure because you might be friends with somebody for years but you work with them on a, a project that's high stress and they turn into
0: a monster or whatever right. <laughs> you know, like, right. It. and so uh it's amazing and, what happens to people under high stress do you test them out like put them under real high stress to see how they respond uh, before you start working with them or what
1: a lot of times we'll do like that's the thing i love about music videos is they're one day yeah and uh but they're usually super long and super fast and super all the the problems that could happen so that's a good place to just kind of test that uh Mm -hmm. and so but yeah so after that there was so there was this guy he was a development executive at dreamworks and uh we went into pitch. They're like, Hey man, just take five minutes. He's hardcore. He's all business. Don't try to talk. Y'all silly Texas stories. And <laughs> you know, that's what the guy taking us in told us. And so we go up there and, and we are like, Hey, this is our idea. And literally in 10 seconds, he's like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> we, and so we were never the kind of person that's like, okay, if somebody doesn't like something, we don't sit around trying to convince them to. Right. So, the same as every conversation we just said, so how did he goes? Oh no. What he said is he said, he goes, yeah, yeah, that's a terrible idea. He goes, but one thing that's curious, he goes, how did two white boys from Texas end up doing master P music video? (laughs) 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 Uh, And so we said, well, you know, and then we asked him about his story and you know, how did you end up at dreamworks, you know, under Spielberg. And, um, And we just became friends. And so later, fast forward, when he goes to leave DreamWorks, start his own company, uh, one day he calls and he's like, hey, what are you guys doing this Saturday? And we're like, "Ah, nothing. And he says, you want to go to Italy for a couple of weeks? We're like, yes. And uh, he said, I got this project. And he goes, it just dawned on me, you know, I'm just an executive. I don't know how to make make a show. And so – he goes, so we hopped on a plane with them, and uh, we went, and we were the first people to ever be allowed inside a and that where they designed Ferraris and Maseratis and, and did a project. And it was just like one of the greatest life experiences. And, and what, what dawned on us was like, hey, here we are. We got to travel the world and, and work with people who are just good, great people, and we had just like the best experience of our life. And uh, and we made some money, and I was like, you know, what's wrong with that? Like, we were we we're always sometimes people get so fixated on their mega dream that they forget to live along the path to that, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and I think that's what we were doing. We were so fixated on just becoming the the next young hot thing that 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 we were forgetting to live, like you know, and just enjoy every moment of the process. And Do you feel uh, like
0: that was a turning point for you.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in, in this business, anytime you do, people don't really believe you can do something until you do it. And once you do it, that's what they know. Oh, okay, you guys could pull off something in another country, or, or you can do something with with high style. And and uh, so that's what happened. Is basically, we we created stuff that was super. You know, it was a lot of originally MTV and stuff, so it was highly stylized. We broke all the rules. We didn't go to film school, so we didn't know we were breaking the rules. We just you know, we lit things differently. We shot things differently because we didn't know really the the way that everybody did it. And, and by doing so, we just said, Ooh, that looks cool. Let's do this. By doing so, we created a style that people were like, I can't really like, why does your stuff look different than everybody else's? And I was like, I don't know. But, but later it dawned on me that it was because we didn't learn the way everybody learned, you know? And, we learned by just what we thought was cool versus, hey, this is the three-point lighting system structure. blah, da Yeah.
0: Right, right. I love that. I love the fact that you were real and raw, and did not come into it with this highbrow education. That you you really put your heart into it, uh, into what you were doing. You felt like you were doing projects that that were led by your heart rather than and relate and relationships. Rather than you know, kind of a a planned out, you know, method in the way you did things, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so so kind of so that that was a turning point for you. How did you get to Nashville, and is that when you started dinners with dreamers? Yeah. So over the
1: next several years, we ended up. You know, doing like we did a documentary, ended up getting in Sundance. And then so all of a sudden we're at Sundance when Robert Redford's there and all these stars. And then we're like, and then it goes on to play at the Capitol. And then they brought Congress in. It was Kim Jong-il. It was about North Korean refugees. And uh, they testified before Congress. And that's when we realized, holy crap, like the power of a story that this little documentary we made over in South Korea about the North Koreans, Refugees was like changing policy of a nation, you know? And Mm. so that's dawned on us. Like, you know, we're not just out there trying to have fun. We, We could actually impact cultures. And, and, uh, so we ended up doing between there. I don't even know. I mean, we've done stuff, hundreds of projects from stuff, from everything that's aired on like the BBC to Fox sports, NBC. We did Red Bull's first American television series. We did, uh, their first story driven show. We did, Uh, I don't even know, we've worked with hundreds of celebrities and people in in the last year and a half from everybody, Emmett Smith and Stevie Wonder to like, uh, just all kind of random, like we get our phone is the most random mix of calls. So through that, I just got sick of LA. And in general, the traffic, you know, the mass of people there and, and the culture itself is a little bit of imploded and, you know, it's kind of self-serving and there's some really good people there, but in, in general, you know, the culture. So I, I was just like, I wanted to get away, went back to Texas and, uh, and I was there a year and close to Austin, but it was just like, nothing was clicking. It was just like, I didn't feel like that's where I was supposed to be. And there's really no way. So our, our, our lease was coming up. And when we went to this, we went to this media conference and we met somebody that summer his name was Eric Wilson, and he was uh, he he was the author of that book Fireproof, and uh, he did a lot of the the ones for the uh, those anyway. He he just randomly like literally we're sitting the on Kendrick the- Brothers films. Yeah, he did all of the the novelizations of those movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, we're sitting there, and and I was like, all of a sudden it just hit me like go to Nashville. Like it just popped in my head, go to Nashville. And so at this point. He didn't bring up Nashville or did he live in Nashville?
0: No. Well,
1: yeah, I kind of skipped my own story. Yeah. Like, so this popped in my head. Well, so the next day, Eric out of nowhere just messages me Mm -hmm. and he's like, he's like, Hey, I don't even know why I'm asking you. You don't even live here, but do you know anybody who would house sit for me in 30 days for 30 days, uh, with my dog because he's a high maintenance dog and I just need somebody to house sit for me. And I was like, dude, Literally, like we just decided we're moving to Nashville, and so uh, I got on the. I got. I had to literally. We just sold all of our stuff because what we had left from L.A. We got rid of a lot. Moving. And you're back. not
0: married, right? No kids, nothing. Just well, you and your brother.
1: At this point, though, yeah, uh, that's a whole different story. But anyway, this, this point, yeah, I got married the last year in L.A. Uh-huh. And so part of the reason I moved is because she didn't like L.A. Uh-huh. And, and uh, she was a music artist, but we were we were the ones that were sitting there and said, let's go to Nashville. So okay. we just literally our lease was up. So we just headed to Nashville, didn't have a clue. I'd been there like one of the we did. Uh, I can't remember. Israel and New Breed. one of their first his first concert DVD and it got nominated for a dove award. And literally that was like one of the only times we've ever been to Nashville Mm -hmm. Uh, passed through. We knew a couple of people through the music industry, but that was it. So we're just heading that way to go stay at this guy's house for 30 days and figure out what the heck we're going to do. And then on the way, one of our movies we did, one of the the actors was the guy who was the Jeeper, the creeper from the Jeepers creepers movies. Mm -hmm. He calls me randomly and he's like, Hey Kyle, I just met the most difficult human being that I've ever dealt with. But he goes, I think he's, I think he's got money and uh, I don't know. You just popped in my head. So why don't you give him a call? I was like, <laughs> okay. No, okay, sure. And so I call him and literally like we had one conversation. He didn't know us from anywhere and we're driving to Nashville and he's like, I want to do this this project and it's da 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 da. And I was like, okay. I just threw out a number and i made it high because I was like, I don't know. This guy he said he's the most difficult guy, so I don't really know if I want to mess with this. But he's like, Okay, cool. Uh where do I how do I start the deposit or whatever? I was like, I don't know. He goes, What's your address? I was like, Well, I'm driving to Nashville. And he's like, Okay, cool. When we arrive in Nashville, there's a check for twenty grand sitting on a wow. on the porch to start a project that
0: didn't exist on during the drive there, a ten hour drive. <laughs> how do you do you, do you work like contractors work um they build in like ten to fifteen percent when you're you know construction work, yeah. you know, modeling work, they build in like ten to fifteen percent into their price. Is that kind of what you guys do? No, it's really based
1: on what our role is, you know, if we're just producing or we're just directing, we do a lot of co productions. We And budgets these days are all over the map. So we we work on independent stuff, and then we work on the bigger stuff. So we've kind of got our A, B, and and a lot of it's just how much that uh you know it's it's, uh, but
0: it's. Yeah, you strike me as somebody that just kind of off the cuff accepts work and does stuff without you know if it feels right, you do it. Yeah, if
1: if. Our bar is if it's with good people and we think it's either got to be something of either some redemptive value, something we really want to do, or with good people, or it better pay us a dang bunch of money <laughs> if it's something we don't want to do, But uh, uh, or it's a great life experience. And so like we started picking projects that would provide life experiences. And so in the last year, maybe year, some change that we've shot in Africa, China, India – Uh, you know, England, uh, where else? I don't even know, all over the U.S. And so like, but that's, that was by design. Like, oh, wow, this would make an amazing, like, you know, I got a call. Hey, you know, we're doing this thing. It's going to be
0: over in Fujioi, China. Yes,
1: I'm in. (laughs) I mean, like, you know, I was like, yeah, I mean, I already knew them. So you say
0: yes. If you know them, you say yes, really. And then you can talk to the details later.
1: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, if they've you know, if you're doing a project like that, they've already got some sort of budget, right? Or they couldn't, right. You know, like, sit. So.
0: Right. uh,
1: so yeah, and, and you know, and it's it's based on how much, but we try to pick things that we have passion for and we okay. love and we we just want to do, you know.
0: That's fascinating. I love that. So, tell me, dinners with dreamers. How did this form?
1: Okay, so uh, without going into all of it, my the the person i was married to for nine years was a music artist and they decided they wanted to not be a music artist and wanted a whole life change and and some other things so Mm. she just left left you yeah and so uh there was no you know it it was it was it was okay situation but anyway without you had no kids yeah we had no kids and so you know it was what it was. you know. I, I don't know. It never, it was nothing that ever, ever crossed my mind and never yeah. thought about it. Just something life that happens, you know, I mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. So, but we, so we had, we were planning on having kids. And so part of it was, Hey, I want to settle down. You know, we've always been, you know, we've lived here, there, wherever. And, um, and she traveled all over the world too. And so we, you know, we just had a lot of great times, you know, I thought, but anyway, we bought this house, this log cabin on the lake. And, uh, and so the reason why I was to settle down. So like a year later then she's gone and then I'm sitting there at Christmas time and I'm like, you know, God, why the heck did I buy this? I, I definitely don't need this space. This is a little big for really what I need for me as a single human being. Uh, but uh, I was like, I mean, it's beautiful and it's, oh, it's peaceful and all that. And it's like a retreat kind of place. But like, I was like, I, I'm not gonna I, and I thought about having a Christmas party and I was like man there's no heck way I'm gonna have a Christmas party and have all my friends over here oh poor Kyle you know because they were friends with all of us you know and so uh, anyway I thought you know I'm gonna I'm not gonna just sit here though I'm gonna do something so I thought maybe New Year's I was like nah this is Nashville too much is going on so I thought you know the weekend after New Year's nobody does anything then so that I called five of my best connections that had never met each other that were just, you know, super awesome people with awesome resumes. And I thought, and I asked, I was like, Hey, would you guys be interested in uh, coming over to my house? To w- what are you doing the weekend after New Year's? They're like, that's one weekend we're not doing anything, you know? And so I was like, cool. Do you want to come over and meet some people? They're like, yeah, sure. So one of those guys, I told one of my friends, Hey, these five guys are coming over. And he's like, Oh dude, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll play the, he's a country music artist. He's like, dude, I'll play for those five guys. I don't care if it's just them. I'll, I'll come over bring my guitar play. I was like, cool. And then an hour later, one of his friends called. He's like, Hey man, I heard Billy's playing. Can I, can I play? And I was like, yeah, sure. The next day I had like seven music artists wanting to play. So I was like, ah, you know what? I'll just have a party and kind of get together with all of my friends. And so I called it the log cabin launch party. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was just my friends, So I did a private event on Facebook and I invited just people that I knew in film, TV, you know, publishing, you know, new media, whatever, that kind of stuff. And uh, they, they had no clue what they were coming to. And so my friend, one of the original five guys that I invited, he's like, dude, I literally thought I was coming over to, to like, you know, five people, 10 people there. And he goes, and he's arrives and it's dark and it, it takes a long time to get to my house from the other side of nashville and it's out in the kind of the woods and and all of a sudden there's cars just lined up mm-hmm. i had 150 i had 150 people come over and uh it was just like the best time ever and like we just had a lot of fun it was no ego just like anyone in the house you could talk to you know it doesn't matter if you're at the top or the bottom you know like anybody can talk to anybody and so It was fast forward three months. I already forgot about it. I was like, man, that was so awesome. I'm going to do that next new year's fast forward three months. Uh, I've told this story a bunch, but like I, I just over 12 days, everywhere I went, I got a phone call or something that somebody said, Hey Kyle, because of that party, I got six gigs. Hey Kyle, because of that party, I got, we're doing this TV show. Hey Kyle, because of that party, I may have a documentary funded. Hey Kyle, because of that party, like it was just, and it was the strangest thing. Like every day, and this had been three months before, so there's no reason to even hear anything about it. And then on the last – it was like – I don't know. It had been a week or so of this. And then I went to this event. Uh, a friend was running for city council, and, and uh, one, of the, uh, I saw a guy there that I hadn't seen since the party. And one of my friends brought him, and he's like, hey, you want to go to dinner? And I was like, yeah, sure. And uh, so I thought we were going to go hang out. And So they were having a business meeting about their nonprofit. And so I'm like, why the heck did he invite me to his business? Like, I don't even, I barely, I met him one time, <laughs> you know, like I, I was kind of awkward. And it was at this really fancy restaurant. Here's this professor from Boston and these CFOs from New York. And, and so anyway, they're sitting here explaining the socioeconomic development of the Philippines. <laughs> and, uh, and, and uh, I'm just like, I'm just thinking like, what? Like, this is so odd. But anyway, there, and so he's like, yeah, we're developing a million acres, and and uh, and the guys and uh, he said that the the government gave the indigenous people their their land back, and so they didn't know what to do. And because he was a missionary there, he they they said, would you take control of this land and do something with it? We don't know what to do. So he started bringing in corporate developments that would train those indigenous people, give them jobs, and give a percentage of all the money back to building schools and infrastructure and churches that the government wasn't doing. And so it was really this revolutionary model. And so anyway, it was pretty fascinating, but I'm still like, so after 30 minutes, he's like, hey, Kyle, you want to know why you're here? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, you need a video? (laughs) 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 Oh, maybe, but he said, uh, he said, uh, he goes, no. No, oh, because your party, I, I, I came with him and I reconnected, I shared with this. And then so he introduced me to him and he introduced me to them and they introduced me to him. And so and we're all here together now because of that party. And he said, God used it. You need to do another one. And wow. so t- I, I said, OK, cool. So two weeks later, we had another party. A couple of hundred people came. And then from that, I started meet, I was like, hey, if you know somebody really cool that you bring, you can bring a plus one. That's a good person, you know. Like the culture we've had, and through that, I know this is a long story, but like through that, we. I said, okay, everybody's like, hey Kyle, you want to go to dinner? Hey Kyle, you want to go to lunch? Hey Kyle, you want to have coffee? I was like, dude, I will be broke if I start <laughs> spending my days just talking to people, and so I thought, you know, maybe I'll I'll invite twenty four people, and so I messaged them on Facebook. I was like, there's a secret dinner. You don't know where it's going to be or who's going to be there, but you know why? Share, connect, change your world. Are you in or out? And then 100% said, I'm in. And so we all got together and we just went around the table, you know, know, tell us your story. You know, it wasn't even about like pitching yourself. It's just tell us your story. And they all become friends and they all started working together and they met people they would never have met. And so I said, you know, I'm going to take everybody that came to my party at that point, you know, a couple of hundred people. And I, then I'm going to go through my Facebook and invite my friends who, that I know that are good people, put them all in this group. And, and then, so I'm going to just, I just had this fraction of an idea. I was like, okay, I'm going to call it dinner with dreamers. So I posted on there and I thought this might be a total failure. Luckily you can delete stuff off Facebook. If it is, uh, <laughs> I put it in a private group that way. Nobody can get in unless I approve them. And, uh, and they, and so I put it, and invite only and I said dinner with dreamers nobody even knew what it was Thursday night at seven o'clock or something like that and uh, I said if you if you're in put I'm in and so I thought I'm going to delete this if in 10 minutes nobody responds and so but all of a sudden it goes bing 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 I'm in I'm in I'm in and then I thought wait a minute what restaurant am I at I can only help have- <laughs> uh, I cut it off and so that was it. That started. I went to dinner. We had a great time. We just shared stories and made friends. And so I was like, that was cool. I'm going to try that next week and then the next. And now I've gone to, in the last, you know, almost two years, probably 3,000 people that I've gone to dinner with. And just once a week, if I'm in town or, or whenever I feel like it, like, you know, <laughs> it's really, there's no, nobody knows when. I might be gone for a month. And, and I'll is have- it?
0: Okay. So you'll be gone for a month, but is it like, how much notice do you give people?
1: I mean, it could be tomorrow night. I mean, I know like, like uh, one of my friends, Steve Feldman. He was he's the director of uh, he was Sesame Street, Politically Incorrect, and all that. Anyway, he had been in England for a few months, and uh, and so he was coming back. So we were going to go. He was coming over to my house. We were going to build a fire pit. I was like, Hey, Steve. I was like, Hey, man, you want to be our special guest? We'll do a dinner tomorrow night. And he's like, Yeah, sure. So I was like, cool, while you're putting in the fire pit, I'm going to go make a poster. I post it, and then uh, they start going, I'm in, I'm in. I I sit there, and as they said I'm in, I cut it off, transferred them to the private event. That's it. We went out and had a fire. The next night, we had 50 people there, uh, you know, all together. So, like, literally, like, I don't even know. Like, it's kind of the strangest thing ever. (laughs) But, yeah, like, any – it could be. There's Sunday night, Monday, any night, anywhere – you know just and, and so
0: so what are some stories that have come or connections that have been made like do you keep track or what are some of the ones that are top of mind for you like connections that came from dinners with dreamers dinner with uh, dreamers what yeah what are they let's
1: see. there's so many but there's a few that are, that are uh, we just got our first engagement somebody that met at a party <laughs> so i guess that really changed their life but uh-huh. uh but uh I mean, literally, I mean, I, I had no less than hundreds. I mean, I, I have people all the time. Hey, you know, somebody the other day, they just showed up and they were like, hey, Kyle, here's this pen. This is he goes, I was a songwriter. I came to one of your dinners and he said now he says fast forward three months I'm the CEO of a nonprofit that we have general so and so and such and such as our board and we just bought a multi million dollar property to help blah, blah blah He goes, it it came from one dinner. Like he said, I came to one dinner and it changed my entire life. Wow. I was like, whoa. <laughs> he goes he said, uh he goes, I, I he goes, I don't even know how to explain that. He goes, so that doesn't happen every time. Don't expect that. But uh <laughs> but uh but that's the type of thing. Like it, it's all over the map. I mean, there's one story that uh, that's so it's so. It, I'll give you a couple of small. Everybody
0: examples. pays for their dinner too.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I never buy anybody's dinner. Uh It's just like they come and and that's kind of. The, I don't charge admission. I haven't. Yeah, you know, I don't really make money off of it. There's no cover charge. There's no. The only time we've done a cover is if like it's at a place that is not a restaurant where like into the house and you know hey for catering it's 20 bucks or something like that but uh so like i've had people just just message me say hey hey you know from the very simple like hey you know what i don't even know how i ended up at this dinner uh but i was going to give up on my dreams and and it it just this thing just said oh no i'm 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 down the road because what everybody does is when we have we always have a special guest and they'll share their story so in doing so you the people at the top they 've all been through crap and they 've all had failures and they 've all made the wrong choices and they 've all been where oh, i don 't know what i 'm doing and uh and if they 're honest with themselves, every single one of them and so but here here's one that just popped into mind, so like I had a friend from from college that uh his son he's like he he had been my face facebook friend. And so I guess somehow he accidentally got in the group cause I don't really like if you Googled dinner with dreamers before it, dinner for schmucks came up that Steve Carell movie <laughs> where they invite a crazy person and they all make fun of him at dinner. And so <laughs> that's not mine, but, uh but, uh, he said, hey, could my son come back through? We're gonna be maybe in Nashville. I saw you're having one of those parties. Could he play, he plays. So I was like, hey, send me his stuff. And I was like, yeah, dude, he's really good. Why don't he Why don't he come and play, you know? And uh, so he did. And so this guy, he had been a missionary in Africa. And so he was like, hey, you know, we have this project and, and we've raised this much money. And, and, and so it just happened to be that I had another project in Africa. So it lined up that we could kind of collaborate those projects to save each other money to do both, and so we ended up in Africa. While I'm in Africa, somebody—I'm always posting on Facebook where I'm going. Somebody from my party said, "Hey, uh, I see you're in Africa. Would you like?" When I don't know if you know this, but we own this mansion out in Gallatin called the Africa House, uh, and uh, I was like, "No, I, no clue." They're like, "Would you like to throw one of your dinners there?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." So when I get get back uh, we're like we go over there and and I was like she's like you want to come check it out so I was like cool she's like hey uh, in a little while here the president will be here and I was like okay cool I thought she meant the president of the Africa House this you know this kind of event center sort of mansion and uh, it was the president of Malawi like the the second woman who had ever been president in in Africa history 40 most powerful women in the world and uh, and so I was like, I was like, oh dang, I didn't know. <laughs>
0: like I thought, and that's so that's crazy.
1: So she's like, so what is this party you're doing? And I was like, well, it's creative. I was like, hey, would you like to be our guest and tell about your your foundation? And she's like, oh, I would love to. So the p- person that introduced her is now the chairperson of the Africa Union, wow. and she's the president. And so we got Melanie, who played at Woodstock and sold millions of records. Records back in the day. She came and played, and then Nicole C. Mullen played. And so here we're all in the living room of this mansion. And, and then all my friends who were there from the beginning, some of them came and they're like, Kyle, what the heck is going on? <laughs> they're like, because like, we didn't tell anybody that the president, a, a president from Africa, was coming. Um, we just, it was a surprise. And so they were like, what the heck is going on? I was like, I don't know. But so my friend, this is kind of like how I, I saw the grander orchestration. So from that, Nicole C. Mullen meets them. She ends up going to Africa doing a doing a tour. My friend, who had for three years been thinking about starting a, he's like, I've been reaching tribes for thirty, or you know, for I've built thirty churches and tribes. He goes, but I could do that the rest of my life, and I'm not going to reach anybody else. Everybody's moving to. The, the cities and nobody cares about them. So he said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna create an organization that targets the influencers and key cities." This is before he ever knew this. He he literally repositioned the headquarters in Durban. That's where the girl that goes to my party, who, whose family is powerful in Africa, they they own one of the most famous hotels there, and that is where they live when they go back. And so I connected him to them, and he was from the tribes. He had no clue. He started this this ministry for for uh people influencers and he didn't have any real contact influencers mm. and through this yes, I connected them and then they connected and then she went off and did a tour over there and they connected and then somebody else from that party ended up re recording an old hit song through an album and they connected and then like from that one thing and then we ended up working with that president for her life rights for her movie and which we have now uh, a one of the people interested is with uh, a sub company of Will Smith, you know, wow. and so it could change. That one dinner could change the all the course of our life, and many other people's just from that one one you knot.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's amazing. So amazing. I mean, the endless connections and divine appointments, and just just from you. Taking a step forward and, and wanting to connect people. I got to imagine that the way that, you know, you have countless stories of, of just the way that it came back to you. Your just selfless act of giving, with really, because it was sounded fun to you, and just the obedience of following through on that, and consistency of following through on that, you, you probably have endless relationships now, right? Yeah yeah people are more I, open with you they let their guard down with you because i put my guard up with you at first because i was like why is this what's his agenda here what's kyle's <laughs> agenda here what what's uh, he really after yeah
1: i, yeah, I don't yeah I literally i just i think it was from living in la for seven years and people i like some of the people we've worked on many projects with were like oh we knew they had certain connections and they would never introduce us like even though, I mean, we're their friends. It's not like we're some random person. And so I was just like, I'm just so done with it. I don't, I don't care. Like if you're my friend and you're my friend and y'all could help each other, why should I care? Like, why, why would that not help me in the long run? If I can help two friends help each other, Yeah. And, uh, and so doing so, and so I had all these people and a whole bunch of my friends are like, Hey, this is really cool. But Kyle, are you crazy? Like, why are you doing this? What are you you getting, like, why are you, what are you getting out of this? Like, why would you do this? And I was like, I don't know, you know, maybe, I mean, maybe some of it came out of when I was a kid, I was, I was shy. I didn't have any, I mean, I had like one friend in elementary school, one in junior high, one in high school. That was about it. Uh, and, uh, I read the book, how to win friends and influence people. And that changed my whole life. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, so maybe that's part of it. Maybe part of it's just like, hey, I like the fact that I have a bunch of friends. But part of it's like, I actually like just I care about people, and I and when somebody tells me, like when I hear one of these stories, like just what you just said, you know, hey, maybe that inspired me, you know, it helped plant some seeds to get this going. Like that's awesome. I mean, I, like I just so what I figured out at some point, it wasn't even on none of this was on purpose. It's total accident or like God's accident. But like, like what I figured out was that that I, I only, I like, I work, I'm a workaholic, probably. I work around the clock. I mean, I love what I do, so I don't really separate life from working because I just have a good time. And, uh, but, like, uh, but what I realized is that I, I only have certain many hours a week. And, like, I can only do certain many projects a year, period. No matter who you are or how big or what the budgets are, it doesn't matter. You can only do, your time runs out. And so by doing this and I, then it increases the impact of my life by having other people do stuff that I could never do, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's one of my, that's one of the reasons that I do it. Cause I just, I mean, it just makes me, it's like the coolest thing ever. When I hear or I see on Facebook, like I see, I literally have friends that went from two mutual friends to 300 mutual friends. Yeah. And, uh, and that, you know, they're all doing stuff or working on projects or just doing life, just making best friends or whatever.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: and so, yeah, that's why I do it. It's just for the heck of it. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it, Kyle. I love it. I love your your heart. I love your genuineness and uh, just the approach that you're taking with this. Um, you'll never fully really know the f- the fullness. I, But one thing I do know. Is at, when, at your funeral, when you have it, one day, hopefully long from now, long way away from now, you're going to have – you're not going to have a place big enough.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I got – if anybody wants to buy me a new bigger log cabin, I had – my <laughs> last party, I made one – face. I, I well, I'll put some posters, but I had one invite. And then I, I just sit there and, it, and I had to cut it off and we had about 500 people. Uh, from 5 p.m. till midnight, uh, crazy actually, about till four in the morning. But like the a, cabin
0: is still standing,
1: yeah, it's still there. So, <laughs> luckily, I uh, moved into a house that's built like a fort. <laughs>
0: that's awesome, that's awesome. All right, Kyle. Well, this is just fascinating to me. And by the way, I the How to Win Friends and Influence People is a book that really impacted me too when I was a kid. I read it when I was 16. And um, it really changed me from an introvert to more of an extrovert or what people think of me as as more of an extrovert just by asking yeah. questions. It's amazing when you get curious about other people and you ask questions, uh, what comes up and how much favor you get just when yeah. you take curiosity and you get curious about people.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was at college, like I say, I thought, you know, nobody knows me. They don't know I'm a nerd or I'm a shy kid. So I was like, I'm just going to walk up to every, any person who's sitting there in the lobby. I'm just going to say, hey, what's your name? Where are you from? And so what I did is, I and this was because of that book, I, I asked them a bunch of questions, talked to them for a minute, and I was like, cool, see you later. So I went away, and I wrote down their name, and I wrote down everything I could remember. And at the end of the night, I, I looked at it, and I tried to memorize everybody that I talked to that day. At the end of one week, I had met and memorized 200 people by their first name, and I was the most popular guy in school. Wow. And then that's when it dawned on me. It didn't even matter if I was a, the football player or star or this or that. All the things that I thought was what made people cool it had nothing to do with any of it. It was just like
0: you even remembered their name. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. That's so good, man All right, so I've got some rapid fire questions here and we're going to finish up our interview so um, you ready for this
1: yeah sure
0: okay so uh, what is the greatest lesson you have learned Kyle
1: Uh,
0: no big long sentences just you know just a a brief just live (laughs) Live. (laughs) enjoy your life yeah enjoy your life okay what are you learning now
1: uh, that every great thing has a transition period before
0: it. Mm. Then that transition period is something you have to get comfortable with, maybe. Yeah. Mm. Good or
1: bad. Something's going <laughs> to Yeah.
0: That's right. Okay. How has failure shaped your life? Everything.
1: Like, i failed so many times that I can't even keep count of it, and that's the only reason that I'm successful. Hmm. What have you read that I should read? Uh, Man, uh, I don't know. My brain's stuck on Dale Carnegie now. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only book I ever read. (laughs) Read one book. No, uh, uh, man, I've read some good
0: books lately. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Come back to it. Pass. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pass. Pass. (laughs) The Bible. What have you done that I should do? Uh,
1: Make lots of friends.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, If you could give one piece of advice to young leaders from what you've learned and experienced, what would it be?
1: Uh, Never quit
0: and never lose sight of your dream. I love it. Who do you know that I should know? That's a tough one for you. <laughs> out of the three thousand people you know. Oh, let's see here. Uh, hmm. Who would you want to introduce me to? Uh, you know what? Just
1: out of the blue, this name Joe Kissick. Remind me, and I'll connect you to him. Okay. He was. He was. He was just for back reference. He was the head of syndication
0: over Seinfeld with Columbia. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> I got to meet yeah. this guy. Yeah, get get me his info afterwards, and we'll 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 get that together. Because I want to have these people on the podcast. Yeah. I okay. Uh, lastly, how can I add value to you? Uh, just being my friend, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Come to another dinner with dreamers. Talk about my Walker soccer story, which I couldn't do last time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That'd be good. People. <laughs> So. <laughs> All
0: right. All right. All right, man. Um, good stuff. Thank you, Kyle, for being on the Courage Cast today. Uh, you really added a lot of value to us and, and hopefully inspired people um, in ways that you don't even probably will never know. So um, thanks again. And, Kyle, how can we find out more about you? W- what website or? Uh, sailorsbrothers.com. Sailorsbrothers. S A Y L O R S Brothers.com. And um, how if they want to come to dinners with or dinner with dreamers, where can they go? Uh, if you, it's it's a private group and it's mainly in Nashville, but I did do
1: one in LA a couple of weeks ago. We had forty people there, and then I did one in London and Florida, so if you go to if you, it's a private group, but it, it, I did make it searchable. So dinner with dreamers on Facebook, and then but if you if you say there if you if you submit a, to join. Make sure you message me and
0: say, Eric sent me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, easy yeah. enough. Easy enough. I like okay. that. Or or I heard you on the courage cast or something like that. Courage
1: cast, yeah. All
0: of my people are wonderful. So they'll all be, they'll all <laughs> add a lot of value to what you're doing. Um, good stuff, Kyle. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to finish up and then hold on the line. I want to get some info from you. So, uh, thanks again to Kyle for being on the courage cast. If you guys like this episode, um, then go ahead and go to iTunes, give us a a quick rating and review. And when you do that, I'll send you a courageous community t-shirt. As a matter of fact, any guest that comes on our podcast, like you, Kyle gets a courageous community t-shirt. So I'll send that to you in a little bit, but, um, everybody else, uh, if you give a rating and review, I'll send you one too. Uh, that helps more people find us. And then um, go to the Courageous Community on Facebook, talk about this episode, what inspired you and how did it impact you. Um, and, uh, and I'd love to hear from you guys. So uh, that's it for me, friends. I'm Eric Nordoff, and you're listening to The Courage Cast.